Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, and for those who have never listened, this is the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts, and for those that do listen, thank you for being part of the public land hunting community and the Where to Hunt podcast. Uh, Today is May 3rd, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Clark, and I appreciate anyone and everyone who tunes in and listens to me yammer on and talk about deer and deer hunting and deer hunting brands and things that I care about in the deer hunting community. Uh, on this particular episode, I bring on guest Kevin uh, Vistason with the Deer Hunter podcast, and Kevin and I get into some really fun, just banter, um, mostly about backpacking to hunt and or, quote, camping to hunt um, as the meat and potatoes of the topic. There's some some stuff around the edges there that um, isn't as related, but great banter. Kevin's a great guy, a serious deer hunter in Michigan. And um, a lot of good stuff came out of this episode. So I'm going to go ahead and just get into that now. All right. So we're going to go ahead and welcome our guest of the week to the show. Today with us, we have, oh, geez, Kevin, I'm going to butcher your last name, man. Just go ahead and say it for me. It's Vistason, and I appreciate you having me say it and you not trying. (laughs) It's like a running joke for myself. Like, I'm my own biggest fan, right? But I butcher a lot of last names on this show, and I think the audience just must think I'm a total dipshit. But that's okay. I'm good with it. They're not doing podcasting. I am. You are. It's an extremely uncommon last name. Uh, If you went to Denmark... Uh, you'd run in some businesses, but the rest of the world, uh, you're not going to find any. And there's, aside from my small family, there's uh, none in North America. So, Dude, that's pretty cool, though, because my last name is Clark, and uh, you can throw a rock and hit another Clark from your house, probably. Right. So, yeah, it's a positive, I guess, because I'm hard to find. Like, if you were to stalk me, good luck. But um... Yeah, right. Eric <laughs> on top of it. Eric Clark. <laughs> yeah. Might as well be, might as well be like Mike Smith or something, you know, not much different really, but tell the audience. Yeah, no, you can. Sorry. So you're with the deer hunter podcast and I'm a huge fan. I gotta say. Yeah. Going on, we're getting close to being on a year. Actually, we're coming up on a year here, the month of God, man, my life's so chaos right now. Are we in April or are we in May? We're basically in May, but it's April 24th. Let's just call it May. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the middle of May, we're coming up on uh, like our one-year anniversary of starting a podcast. So You've hit the ground running. You've done a great job. I've I've paid attention. You and I talked, I think, before you even kicked this whole thing off last summer. 
or spring, I guess, or right when you kicked it off, I guess, somewhere in there. Yeah, it would have been right around when we got going. Uh, I'm assuming we had just gotten started, and I don't know if you and I found each other via social media or whatnot, but I remember it was uh, around a 100-degree day last summer, uh, and I was working in a building with no air conditioning and you called me and we had a, uh, you know, a 10 or 15 minute conversation about coordinating to do a podcast and it's actually taken this long for us to make our schedule. I mean, we've what, maybe half a dozen times scheduled and had to cancel on yep. both of our sides. Yep. Or and I just straight up forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that conversation. I was sitting in a car, um, I do, I'm a marketer for by day and I was ready to go into a meeting and I was sitting in the car shooting the breeze with you. Cause this is the stuff I actually care about, you know, not my day job. Um, tidbit of information. I don't think anybody in the audience knows this cause I don't really talk about some of that stuff a whole lot, but, um, even for my listeners, from what I gather, listening to the deer hunter podcast, you're a plumber, right? Yeah. For now. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. For, is that it? You're like- We'll get into, I think you got some news that you're going to cover here, but I did some work as a close cousin of the plumbing industry, probably the easier one. Uh, I actually did, I, I did marketing for a radon company, but they put me in the field for, for three months as training and another three months doing it on my own. So I actually learned how to run some pipe. I'm no plumber, but I, I, I did some radon stuff. That was kind of fun. Dude, anything you do in the trades is, uh, some pretty valuable experience. I mean, just learning to hop operate like a day in the trades, no matter what you're doing. I don't care if you're an electrician, if you're a roofer, you're a drywaller, you're a plumber, like they, they all coexist. So learning that space is uh, pretty valuable because it's a shit, the foundation of this country uh, for the most part. And uh, a lot of people nowadays, especially have no idea that what goes on, uh, you know, in that 40 to 60 hour work week for people that are working in the trades. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure it, uh, tuned you in pretty quick to, you know, what, what those guys are doing week in, week out. It's pretty cool, man. Actually, uh, it's funny cause so I'm in Wisconsin here in Michigan, right. And, uh, I, I walked into work this morning and it's a, it's a desk job now, but I walked into work and as I'm walking from my car to the door, I'm like, man, this is a beautiful day. I bet you all the guys back at the shop at the radon company are just loving life right now, getting on roofs and working outside. This is the kind of stuff that makes it worth it when it's not shitty out right. and snowing. This is this would be a good day to be back into that thing where you can enjoy right. the outdoors a little bit in a different way, right? But still still sure. enjoyable, man. So that part I miss. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. I grew up landscaping, so weather, I mean, you know, weather's always been a critical thing that I paid attention to because I'm obviously a hunter and it's a huge thing. But uh, I worked landscaping for, geez, 15 years. So like you're saying, a day like today where it's super nice out, uh, the job's awesome. But, you know, when it's 104 degrees out and you're uh, putting sprinklers in a blacktop parking lot and little little landscaping islands and it's, you know, 115 degrees out there, it's uh it's pretty miserable. So. Yeah, it can be. I remember being in an attic last summer or whatever it was, and two summers ago maybe. And it was one of those days, and it was like 100 degrees out. And in the attic, it must have been 200 degrees. I might be exaggerating, but I might not be. I can't. I don't know. But all I know is 
shit started to get weird, you know, like short shortness of breath, dizzy spells. And and me, I'm like, no, man, I got this. Let me work up here. Like, you need to get the fuck down. You're going to pass out up there. We're going to have to drag you out of that ceiling, you know, like get out of there. I just want to keep going. Yeah. I've done that too, man. I worked. I worked HAC for a while, so yeah, it could be 120, 140 degrees in those attics on a summer day, and it'll it'll crush you pretty quick. You better stay hydrated. That's the key. That's the key, man. Well, so let's. So switch. you're a graphic designer. I'm a graphic designer. I, just, yeah. I got a weird story, dude. I've been, I you know, this is it's funny because I'm talking about myself in my podcast, but uh, I got a weird story. So, Marine Corps after high school, Semper Fi, Urah, Do or Die, all that, uh, once always, and then. Um, straight out of there, I got a job at a marketing company. A buddy of mine was working there and he's like, dude, you got to come work here. And he showed me his paychecks. And I, I didn't believe him. I thought it was like some scam, but it's a, it was a real brick and mortar store. And, uh, he was a hundred percent commission. And I said, well, shit, dude, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, uh, that shot turned into eight years and, uh, I got really good at it and I loved it. And I learned a ton working for some wow. great people. And, um, you know, then I left there to go back to school full time. And I thought I wanted to to major in business because I worked with so many business owners and I helped them grow their, their businesses through online marketing. And, um, I learned really quick that I suck shit at accounting and economics and statistics and math bad. And so I went to my student advisor. I'm like, there's gotta be another way through this. Cause I can't, I can't handle that. Like I've, I was up all night. I didn't sleep. I watched YouTube videos. I saw the tutor. I saw the professor. I seek, I seek outside help and I still failed flat on my face. Um, what can I do? So I got a, I, I minored in uh, communications and I, um, transferred all my credits out from the university and, uh, into a, a four year degree for graphic design. And, uh, Life got hard working full-time and doing school, so then I just downgraded to an associate's degree, but I finally finished. So I got my associate's degree in graphic design after four, four years <laughs> of school. But Yeah, the only reason I ask is because that's what my wife does, and I, I saw you do a bit of that work, so I was curious. Yeah, yeah, that's how uh, you know I, I made the, the logo for Where to Hunt and the app. I designed it, but I didn't, I didn't build it. I don't have to do any coding or anything like that, but I can... I can whip Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator and all that other stuff into shape, no problem. Nice. Dude, I'll try not to ask any more questions. It's uh, like you just, you alluded to it. It's uh, We both do this, and usually I got somebody on the phone and I'm guiding the conversation and asking all the questions, so I'm going to shut my mouth and let you run wild. <laughs> all right, we'll see. I didn't know. Take I thought it wherever you want. Well, so like I, I want to talk a little bit about um, I go to your website. I go to the deerhunterpodcast.com and and greeting me there is I'm assuming your wife had a hand in this as a graphic designer because that image is incredible. There's there's birch trees with some yellow leaves in the background, deer hunter, deer hunter podcast and big, bold um, you know typography. And then you have this this big tripod tent with a pack and and is that you standing there next to all that uh it's one of my good hunting buddies my buddy uh nick bomarito who who uh, was on my podcast quite frequently there's uh myself and then my brother drew and then my good friend ryan and my good friend nick and the four of us are really the foundation of the podcast we have a studio um 
also my garage, also my gym. Which is awesome. And, I, I follow you on Instagram yeah. and I get to see all that stuff. <laughs> Multi-use uh, facility. But uh, it's become more than anything as of the last year, it's become a podcast studio. So we sit down there as frequently as we possibly can. And with our work schedules, it's not as often as we'd like. We'd love to do it weekly. I do the podcast weekly personally because I do some phone interviews and whatnot. But, uh, you know, once a week when we're rolling uh, is what we can do. Sometimes it's every other week. Sometimes it goes a month where our schedules just are too crazy. We all work in the trades. Ryan's a, uh, Ryan's a, uh, a fitter. Steam fitter? Uh, and, yep, Ryan's a steam okay. fitter. Uh, my brother and Nick are both electricians, and I'm a plumber. So just depending on what the schedules are, it, it, it can be pretty tough for us to uh, line it up and sit down and do that. But, um, you know, Nick, Nick's one of my longest running friends and we've been hunting together for forever. And a couple of years ago we started getting more into, uh, taking a step back and, and really Nick's a big part of it because, uh, he, like, uh, the technology thing, he, he just, he tries to stay away from it. I don't think he owns a computer. He's got a smartphone. But uh, he doesn't own a compound bow. He only owns an assortment of wood bows. And he tries to live a pretty simple life. And uh, we, you know, a couple of years ago, we started camping and uh, backpacking and hunting the big woods up in northern Michigan together. And uh, it's really, it's kind of become our, it's it's certainly my passion. Uh, and I, I think I can speak for him and my other couple buddies too that i mean we we all just love deer hunting but uh we've we found it uh to be i don't know man it's it's just heals the soul to get lost in the woods for a couple days and uh stay in a tent and even when you're not hunting i mean just getting going hiking and backpacking staying out in the woods and kind of being off the grid a little bit will really really help to ground you I can't agree more. You talk about the simple life and, and kind of camping and, and doing that in big woods. You know, I, I cut my teeth as a deer hunter as a young kid um, in the Nicolay National Forest here in Wisconsin. And I have to assume it's very similar to northern Michigan in some aspects. At least the picture it kind is of very much. Up. I spent, I sp not to cut you off, but no, I spent good, a little man. bit of time up there. Yep. I spent a little bit of time in uh, northern Wisconsin this summer with Dan and Fault, and it's it reminds me pretty much of, you know, a lot of it is very similar. To it's a two-way street then. It's cool because everything you do reminds me of the Nicolay, and then I'm like, that's where I started. The, the sad thing for me is that that deer population has dropped off dramatically, and, uh, you know, we switched gears, and we've been hunting the western part of the state now. But in any event, like I'm a big camper. I went to the Boundary Water canoe area a couple of years ago for two weeks with some buddies. You don't have a you don't have a cell phone. You don't you don't have a cooler. You don't have ice cubes. You don't have anything. You have the fish you catch. Yeah. You have your tent. You have fire, kinda. If you can find some dry wood from all the rain that comes down up there, um, you got to get creative. And so, like when I say when I get to your website and I see that that teepee tent and that wood backdrop and the flannel shirt and the backpack, man, it invokes a real emotion. 
And that's an emotion that I, that I relate to and connect with on a major way. And I think a lot of people do. And so like when you say, you know, you've been at it for a year and I say you've had some success, you're hitting a nerve with people the way that you're doing this stuff. You're, you're really down to the core with what hunting is. So well, my hat's off to you, man. Like you've done you, a great job. I greatly appreciate you saying that because I've been doing this podcast for a year, but I've been doing that for 20 years. Yep. So I only decided a year ago that I was going to make a go at sharing this. And, uh, I appreciate you saying that a lot because, um, you had mentioned, you know, my wife probably had a part in that and she, she did, she built my website. She lays that stuff out. She does, um, you know, any of our graphics or lettering or any of that. But as far as the photography goes, I do all that. And that's something that I actually enjoy and that I'm trying to get a little bit better at. And I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm getting some mentorship on photography right now, especially in like the hunting community and the, you know, wildlife photography and things of that sort. And that's something that, uh, you know, the deer hunter podcast and you and I talked before we started recording, uh, the deer hunter podcast is a labor of love. It's just sharing what we do with everybody. Um, it doesn't make any money. In fact, it actually costs me thousands (laughs) of dollars a year (laughs) to do, but I'm trying to figure out a way to balance and stabilize that so that it's not a negative asset in my household. And one thing that I figured out that I can offer for companies that would be willing for me to compensate or that would be willing to compensate me for that is photography. So that's something that I'm trying to get to the next level on. So any of those photos that you see on our website or on our social media is all stuff that I'm trying to adamantly get, get better with, but it's just showcasing what we do and we can get into that about you know people's photography uh photography is a huge thing now because everybody's got a social media presence all right everybody that's deer hunting now has a instagram and a facebook and they're sharing these images with the rest of the world and it's how we it's how we portray ourselves to the average people that aren't anti-hunters or aren't hunters who are on the fence about it and go to the polls and vote about vote for our rights as sportsmen and it's uh, it's really critical moving forward that we're doing a you know a positive job and showing people why we do this and why we love it and why it would benefit their life if they chose to do it. And photography is you know it's right there as one of the most important things that we could possibly be paying attention to. It's a big deal. I actually owned a, a DSLR camera a couple of years ago. Um, thinking I was going to get into videography and hunting until I realized how much of a nightmare it is to actually cut up video <laughs> and to keep a camera oh, charged gosh. in the woods and protect it from the rain. And, you know, I probably didn't need to get a DSLR. I should have got like a, a handheld something or other. But, um, you know, for the short time I had that, I got really deep into YouTube and, and, and trying to figure out how to work this Canon camera and the, the lens and the, you know, the F-stop and the depth of field and all of these terms that I am losing touch with because I, I got rid of it. But mm-hmm. what an exciting thing to have in my hand is this this way to capture the world and, and really kind of give the, the world my view of it. You know, and forever it's worth, dude. Like I like I said, like you're you're doing a great job. You're you're capturing it perfectly. 
you're not perfect to moving target. So you're obviously trying to get better, but the way you're capturing it really is the embodiment of what hunting should be. It's not about the trophy. Hunting isn't a sport. It's about the experience and the memories and the, and the camaraderie and the tradition that goes along with it. Right. And for me, you strike a chord when you start to combine camping with hunting, because that's something that I've been trying to um, tie together for a long time and haven't made the leap to do. Um, I've been personally very interested in winter camping and what goes along with that. Um, that's a bridge I haven't crossed yet and that I intend to at, in the near future. But it seems like you're you're doing a good job of trying to really like you're in the you're in the woods you're in the forest, and and you're part of the land when you're camping and hunting. You're not staying at a cabin off site and driving in the morning. You're getting out of your tent, exposed to the elements, and dealing with the cold temperatures, wind, snow, sleet, rain, whatever it is. And you're just like I don't know. I assume you're just walking in your tent and you're all going to your spots. That's a different scenario than driving into somewhere. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny how it you could say either evolved or devolved depending on how you looked at it. But a little bit of my backstory um, since I was probably ten or twelve years old, and I'm 34 now, so we're talking 22 years. My family's had a cabin in northern Michigan. You know, it's a four-hour drive, and that was always a thing. You know, Fridays after work, everybody loads up in the the van or the truck or the SUV or the car and everybody goes up north for the weekend to their family cabin. So we had this uh, cabin and about 20 minutes from there, we had a piece of private property uh, that my father, when he was our age, I'm saying our age, I'm assuming you're I'm 32. Relatively close we'll put to that out there to the world. Yeah. So we're right there. Uh, when my dad was our age, him and a couple friends as an investment piece bought 120 acres in Northern Michigan. And so we grew up with the luxury of having a large track of private land to uh, hunt and go out and recreate on. And we had a nice cabin that was 20 minutes away and the other property owners, um, there's, you know, a couple of my dad's closest friends and, you know, they all had kids and, it was like a, bit, a whole family thing growing up, right? And yep. um, you go out there for the day and you, you do your hunting or whatever and you come back to the cabin. And, you know, after, I don't know, oh, I can tell you when it was. It was probably around the time we started drinking. <laughs> uh, when we When we got old enough to drink, we were like, well, we want to come out of the woods and have a couple beers. We don't want to drive. So let's get a camper and let's stay at the property. There you that go. That makes sense, right? This is evolution, not dev, you know, devolving. This is a, definitely an evolution. Yes. <laughs> so, so phase one was there was an, uh, an old camper that uh, one of the property owners, uh, he basically deemed it uninhabitable. Um, it had been taken over by mice. And he said, you boys can have that. And it was known as the mouse house. And, uh, we're like, all right, you know, we kind of gutted it, cleaned it up as, as much as we could. But I mean, it would be uncommon for you to sleep in there and not have a mouse or two run across you during the night. Sure. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Unless you're a girl. (laughs) 
Yeah, unless <laughs> no you're trying offense, to, ladies. you know, con- con- convince your girlfriend at the time that it would be a cool place to stay, which we we certainly tried, but it never yeah. went over yeah. well. If but, they liked you, they'd stick with you after that, but they probably didn't. <laughs> that camper was in bad shape. It was from the 70s, and so we had that parked on the property. We have a whole little camp established at this point in time, and we stayed in that for, I don't know what it was, you know, half a dozen years or so. And then uh, one year was shortly after I graduated high school. And uh, I told you I worked landscaping and that was my dad actually owned the company. So we grew up working for our family owned landscaping company. My brother worked there. So, you know, most of my friends in the summertime, that was our part-time job. And uh, my brother and one of his buddies after a day of work, they came flying in the driveway. They're like, dude, you won't believe what we just found down the street. This guy's selling this uh 28 foot airstream and he knew dad and he said he'll give it to us for 750 dollars and uh so myself and my cousin and my brother and two of our close friends each went 150 dollars on this 1973 28 foot airstream and uh we picked that thing up brought it home it was in pretty rough shape we had to redo the whole interior uh, I mean, it didn't have cushions, it didn't have blinds or anything. It was pre- it was pretty bare bones, but for what we were going to use it for, it was like, dude, this is an absolute steal. And it had a brand new canvas awning, which I'm guessing probably cost at least a couple thousand dollars. And uh, this guy was old, and he had been collecting these things. He had like four Airstreams, and his wife was like, you need to get rid of a couple of these, so... He put this one up for sale, and my brother was, like, one of the first people to drive by it. He pulled in, told the guy we'd take it, and he brought it home, and we gutted it out and made some cushions for it, made some blinds for it, and put tires on it, and we hauled it up there. and had we, we Actually, a guy from downstate drove all the way up there and uh, pulled that other old camper out of there and pulled it back downstate, gutted it all out. And that thing's a hunting camp now down here for uh, another group of guys. And it's still in use, which is pretty unbelievable to me, but we were fortunate to upgrade to the Airstream, which was like, I mean, it was like going from a motel and with hourly rates to like, you know, the fanciest, fanciest hotel you could imagine on the Vegas Strip. It was well, that big of an upgrade. I'll eagerly us. await an invite to the Airstream, oh. which circa 1973 puts me negative 13 years old. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I would love well, to see this thing, if, man. If you ever wanted to go into a, uh, if you ever ever had um, like uh, a want to travel back in time that's the portal to do it because you open the door and step inside that thing and it's just unbelievable uh and you know it's as practical as it is cool because it's a double wall it's a good way to say it uh, yeah it's it's like the integrity of it is that it's a exoskeleton of stainless steel with like ribbed steel framing with insulation and then an interior steel wall. 
So it's a double wall, double steel wall, insulated fuselage. It's essentially an airplane without wings. No doubt. You got to get that. You got to get some pictures of this thing on the website, by the way, somewhere. Now that we're talking about it, it, you got to do it. There's a, there's a bunch of them on the deer hunter podcast, Instagram, and, and not as many as there should be because uh, it it really was the, like the footwork, the foundation to when we, you know, started like I said, evolving or devolving from the cabin. We yep. went to the the old shitty camper. Then we got the the Airstream, and we stayed in that for years and years. And then it was just you know two years ago, I think, when uh, we started. I guess basically you'd say spike camping out from our base camp and uh, staying in tents. And uh, it's nice because we're never more than. 45 minutes typically drive from the airstream uh do you let your buddies that kind of kind of guess with you on the podcast um do you let them kind of have access to it whenever they they like to or or is it like hey man i gotta be there and then you guys can come or how does that work well i'm not a property owner and it resides on my dad's property and he owns that so there's there's a set of rules for and the, the rules basically state that if you are not with a direct family member of an owner of the property, no go. Um, you can't be, you can't be there. Yep. So, but you know, there's definitely exceptions have been made. Uh, my group of friends are real close. They've been going up there for a long time. Yeah. They help out, they go up there and they help out cut firewood and maintain trails on the private property. And they, They've done that for years, so they've they've kind of earned themselves the right to be able to go there and stay on occasion. But it does it just doesn't happen that often because it's it's with us guys all working in the trades. It's usually only one or two weekends a year, sadly enough, that we can all coordinate to you know go up and spend a couple weekends together. But uh, yeah, what what I was getting as you know the weather can get terrible, terrible, and we can. We can abandon, we can abandon mission. And like last year was a perfect example. Opening day of firearm here in, uh, opening day of firearm in Michigan here last year was like the worst weather you could ever imagine. We slept in a tent for two days bow hunting prior to opening day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was just raining and sleeting and snowing sideways. So you're stuck in that tent, man. Did, That's no good. Not well, you're, we're, we're still hunting, but you know, you're drying your gear in there and it's, yeah, yeah, it, it uh, I mean, it's fun at the same time cause it's super cool. The, the teepee that I have, uh, we have a stove for, it's actually a propane stove. I mean, I could burn wood in it if we needed to, mm-hmm. but, uh, we have a, we have a little propane burner inside the stove and you can hook a 20 pound propane tank up to it and just turn that thing right to wherever you want. And you can go to, I mean, the teepee stays heated. So you can dry gear off in there. Um, you know, if you're, if you were going to hike in and the teepee that I have right now actually is, is pretty heavy. It's a, it's a big tent. It looks like a big tent. You wouldn't want to go. It looks like a big tent. I've researched those before I saw it on, on yours. I know when you had posted on it on social, you know, I'd commented like, Whoa, look at this thing. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was genuinely curious about it for camping purposes, let alone hunting. 
you know, is that thing actually yeah. as good as it looks or what, you know, what's the deal? Uh, it, uh, it was a learning experience. So I bought that TV through the sportsman's guide. That's where I saw it. That was why they advertised me, man. They just, they just know that I want it, you know? <laughs> sure. I think I paid $190 for that, which is That's not way cheaper. Yeah than any, you know, portable shelter that you would typically find. The downfall of it is it's extremely heavy. It weighs probably, I bet you it probably weighs 25 pounds. So if you're backpacking with this up. into a remote location-ish inside of the forest from your vehicle, from wherever you parked on, like whether it's a logging road or a frontage road or whatever, you're going to hoof a 20, a 20 plus pound tent on top of everything else you're carrying. Yeah, and so it usually works out if you're going to do it. I mean, we haven't taken that thing far Mm -hmm. off of the beaten path to this point, but we're going to this spring when we do some scouting, and it'll just be a a buddy system essentially where, you know, a couple of the guys will take, let's say I'm going to take the tent, right? Yep. Uh, I I might take... 10 pounds or 20 pounds of gear in my, in my backpack and then, uh, strap that thing to my backpack as well. And I'll be relying on, you know, my brother or a couple other guys to take a couple pounds of my gear. That's kind of how we did in the boundary waters. That makes sense. I mean, and at that point, once you set up the hub, the camp, you branch out of there without the tent and it's okay, you know? So then on the day to day or whatever, however, however long you're there, it's not as terrible. You're not packing that. You're not. You're not shutting that thing down and packing it back up and moving as much. Right. The state forest that we hunt is uh, there's a lot of logging and there's mm-hmm. a lot yep. of uh, uh, natural gas extraction. Okay. So you can't really go more than a mile or two without hitting a road. So we can get. I mean, for the most part, that tent is ideal for truck camping. Um, you know. You, we've hiked it into a couple places before. It's fine, but when the weather's nasty, like mid-November, you, you want to have that stove, and you want to have, if you're going to go for a three- or a four-day hunt, you might want to have two 20-pounders of propane. Sure. Um, because, because why not? I mean, you could burn That's wood, but like last it. year, yeah, last year, uh, it just it rained for like four days straight. It was so, it would have been so miserable to try to keep a fire going and to bring wood in and 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 cut little pieces of wood to feed into that stove. Whereas with the propane tank, you just hook it up, set thing. the dial, and just yeah. And I, what I was saying is, yeah, I mean it was sleeting and snowing and raining sideways, and we're just sitting in there i mean as comfortable as possible yeah, at that point you're like in a nice shanty you know you're, you're good to go man right that's a good that's a good way to to say it. it is it's very similar to sitting in an ice shanty where you're like peeking out the window and you're like yeah you're you're sweating balls sure and it's like out freezing there. outside you're on a block of ice and you're like yeah that's why i like <laughs> this is a hunting podcast but to talk about ice fishing Ice fishing is my favorite because it gives me the opportunity to give Mother Nature the the literal middle finger, you know. Sure. It could be terrible outside, but I'm good, Mother Nature. You, you know. Yeah. So I mean that that's kind of been it to to this point. 
as far as what we've, you know, been doing and what direction we're going into and, uh, we're learning as we go. I invested, uh, so far this year, I, I upgraded my backpack last, the last two years. I've been running just a cheapy, uh, a large, you know, a large cubic inch backpack, but, uh, it wasn't expensive. It didn't have any bells and whistles. It didn't have a good, uh, frame system. It could hold a lot of gear, but when you got a lot of gear, a lot of weight, it wasn't very comfortable. And that was like my biggest, um, I, I guess that was the biggest hitch in my giddy up going forward this year. So I broke down and I bought a, uh, Kafaru backpack and made an investment in that. I spent more money on a, I spent about eight times more money on a backpack than I would have ever thought I would have would have done but uh it seemed to be what made sense for my needs and so i did that and the next thing is uh is going to be a shelter uh a more mobile shelter you know like i'm telling you mine right now just the tent weighs 25 pounds uh kafaru has a shelter called a sawtooth i'm not sure if you've ever seen it no i i don't think i have unless you post it i, I may have but i may have I may not be acknowledging it right now. No, I. So if you go to like Kafaru's website and you uh, go look at shelters and you look at the sawtooth, mm-hmm. it's a essentially what it is. It's an elongated teepee. It mm-hmm. has a real big footprint. I believe the tent. It has a titanium box stove that packs down. The tent. It has a dual wall liner. And the titanium box stove all packs down to, I want to say it's around six pounds. Okay. So it's, it's incredibly light, but you're going to pay. Yeah. When you get into that, when you get into that realm, weight is money, right? Like the the lower the weight, the more money you're paying at that point. Yeah, pretty much. That tent set up, I've had it in my shopping cart for six months now, just waiting for me to punch checkout and enter my credit card it's fourteen hundred dollars <laughs> man which is about what i paid for my first car so yeah that's you know i'm looking look at, at that and and uh it it'll probably happen at some point but right now it's just not a huge priority because the most of the places that i get to i can get within a couple miles of with a pickup truck but yep. uh, you know i'm I started doing this because I see myself venturing deeper and deeper into, you know, heading out west, going up to the UP of Michigan, where you can go in eight or 10 miles. And uh, I don't want to be doing that and pulling the tags off of a new backpack and a new tent and being completely green or, you know, spending a bunch of money on an elk tag and going out to Colorado and, not having all that stuff dialed in. Well, that's so that's kind of right where now, yeah, that's that's where my future sites are set too. I got a, a nice backpacking backpack that I paid too much money for before I was married and with a kid. So back then I could quote unquote afford it. Um, and I went to REI and I probably overpaid there for a backpack. I think it was a Marmot. Um, I'd have to double check the brand, but. It wasn't cheap, and that was for the Boundary Water trip that I did a couple of years ago. 
but my intention, like when I bought my gun and I bought my scope, my intention is that this will kill deer here in Wisconsin where I'm at. But really what I want to get towards is I, I do want to do an elk hunt out west, and I want to make sure that I'm set up for success with some of the gear I'm buying now for that kind of situation. So you and I, hopefully we can stay in touch, and maybe there'll be some sort of future in, <laughs> in our sites where we can maybe even do that, you know, whether together or tell stories about it after the fact individually. Either way, I'm, I'm thinking the same way you are with that. Have you ever eaten elk? Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I've had a couple friends that have got elk tags, and uh, one of my good friends got one last year. Yeah, last year for uh, northern Michigan, and he killed a nice 5 by 4 bull. And uh, we butchered the whole thing up in my garage and as pay- for payment for helping him butcher the whole thing. He loaded my freezer full of elk meat. So for the last year, I've been kind of rationing it into our household. And uh, <laughs> it's... It's gone now, man. Dude, it's, it's, good. it's killing it's good, me. Cause man. It is. It's great. Uh, I love venison too, man. I mean, I, I it's the reason I hunt. Uh, we eat deer meat. I mean, that is our primary red meat. Um, we bought beef about a month ago. I think we bought a couple steaks, and we bought them from like a really nice butcher yep. here locally. And, uh, dude, it was nothing but sheer disappointment, to be honest with you, <laughs> well, man. Once you get I used mean, to venison, that, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I grew up eating venison, and my mom same. didn't know how to cook venison. She yeah. never, you know, she, she cooked it like you were brown and hamburger, right? It was like eating work food. And so it wasn't until I got older and I started playing around with it, and I always enjoyed cooking. And then uh, I read Hank Shaw's. Uh, book and started you know paying attention to what Stephen Ronella and those guys do how they prep game in the field and it does start man it starts the second you kill that thing and that's the reason why I bought a backpack for the way that I hunt is uh now some of the spots that I'm hunting if I had to get a deer out of there the last thing I want to do is drag it through a mile of swamp muck uh that thing's just you're not going to tell me otherwise that that thing is not going to be affected negatively by doing that so we're talking about doing some in-field butchering and getting that thing into a backpack and getting it out of a semi-remote location so that uh you know when we're sitting down eating venison on a tuesday or wednesday night thinking, not... damn it this is a swamp buck i effing shot <laughs> yeah that's a hundred percent you hear that and you hear that all the time and dude i i can't I can't disagree with that more where guys will say, oh, man, it was an old swamp buck and grind the whole thing and barely eat it as tacos. No, not to me, man. I've shot some big, gnarly, some some uh, some bigger, older age class bucks in the last couple of years. And one of in particular was what you would deem a gnarly old swamp buck. And that thing tastes just as good as any deer I've ever eaten. And it's just cool. all about how you get it out of there and butchering it up and prepping it up and cooking it up. Man, my my wife, um, Holly, she was just coming around to liking venison. Like, even even getting excited about eating venison. Like, cool, you're going to make venison? I, I can't wait to have you home from work and we're going to have venison. I'm like, holy shit, man. Like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm really uh, rubbing off on her, you know, and 
last winter I was out ice fishing with a really good buddy of mine. I got to come up with a nickname for him for this podcast because I talk about him all the time. He literally sniffed up my deer out of the woods that I got last year. He's an, he's an interesting guy. Um, we were in the Marines together and he, whatever. So I was with him and, and my wife, Holly calls me and she's like, Hey, I was going to do you this really nice thing. I was, I was going to do this favor for you. I was going to make a venison stew. I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. You know, like sweet. This is great. What a great wife. <laughs> you know, like I'm a pretty lucky dude. I'm out ice fishing and you're going to cook me a venison stew. She's like, yeah, well, here's the problem. I grabbed, you know, uh, a roast out of the freezer and it thawed and it's all good and dandy there. But, um, you know, I went to go cut it all up. I'm like, Wait, cut it all up. I'm like, well, with the roast, you can just put that right in the slow cooker. You don't have to do anything to it. She says, yeah, well, I didn't realize that. So then I watched you some YouTube videos on how to cut it up. And I cut it up and there's blood everywhere. The kitchen smells like murder. And now I don't like venison. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh no. Geez. So we're, we're on a journey back to liking venison in this house here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh... Like, well, I wish you would have called me to tell me. She's like, no, I was trying to do something nice. I didn't want to call you. I wanted you to come home to this nice meal. I was going to be the, this awesome wife. And uh, I fucked up. I'm <laughs> like, That's funny. I don't even care about the app. I care more that you don't like venison now. That's a problem. I got a freezer full of it. Like, what are we going to do? So that's, no, a, that's a funny thing. I guess I ought to go get some elk. <laughs> I'm easing my wife into the exposure. She was, uh, I won't say that she was, I don't think she was an anti-hunter uh, mm-hmm. when I met her, but she's had strong negative impressions of uh, hunters due yeah. to uh, her That's boyfriend a... in high school. All right. Just being a liberal media yeah, kind of sewer. <laughs> well, her, uh, her boyfriend in high school, his, their deer camp was called Camp Kill em All. Oh, well, that's a problem. See, so, that's, that's the other extreme with deer hunting that I that I have disdain towards myself. So, okay, that makes sense. Yep, and so she had a real negative impression, and yep. I was like, no, that that guy was just like, you that's know, how a you broke up that's with a him. That's a name. That's that's what you call a douchebag, yeah. right? Let's just call it out. Yeah, he he, uh, you know, he's just an idiot. So, you know, give me give me a chance here. And uh, what worked in my favor is that my wife is a, uh, a big-time health advocate, and she likes really healthy food and whatnot, and she uh, she relies on science and facts to make decisions. And so she's she's like, yeah, wow, everything really does say that this is, like, the healthiest food. And the more and more I cooked it and tried different things and found out what she liked and didn't like, and now what really won her over is uh, my three-year-old, he loves venison. I mean, cool. I, you know, I do it on a smoker where I'll brine, you know, I'll brine a piece of meat and then smoke it with hickory and, uh, he'll just devour that thing. And so, you know, it's like his favorite food. And I've obviously evolved quite a bit into how I cook it. Yep. And, uh, it's, it's a staple of our household and it's, uh, um, we're very fortunate here in Michigan that we get two buck tags a year and we can, uh, you know, typically get more than a handful of doe tags and we can take a, you know, a good amount of deer and we can live off of it for a year. People in other states, uh, not everybody has the opportunity to get so many tags and have so much opportunity, but, uh, yeah, we live off of it. I mean, I, I give, 
you know, I give a little bit. Gosh, I shouldn't even say that. I don't think I've given any venison away this year. I kind of. I attempted to. Kind of and, been... and the person I did, they haven't taken me up yet. But I got to go back to when you said your wife isn't a believer and, and coming from that douchebag mentality of her ex. Um, offense given to that guy, right? But I would say that her ability to articulate your mantra, graphically speaking, when I go to your website, your Facebook page, the different channels that you have, clearly she gets it. She understands what you're all about. And she understands the quintessence of hunting as it's meant to be. So, dude, good job. Like, cause you've you've made her a believer. And if you can make someone a believer out of that kind of fabric, I think you've you've that's how you were able to convert not convert me, but like I was I was hooked in right away. So I don't know what your following looks like, but um, the people that listen to your show, they're just drooling for the next episode. <laughs> well, you know. There's that stereotypical comment where uh, people say you can win a man over through his stomach, and That's very you true. can do the same thing. With, <laughs> you can do you can do the same damn thing with with women. I, sure, I don't think you can argue that. To me, uh, you cook good food, like as a as a man, like that can cook knows how to operate in the kitchen and make like a you know a meal that they can't get in a restaurant and. Uh, you'll get some attention. Yeah, so I, I agree. Anybody that. that's listening to this that hasn't stepped their, their venison, you know, their wild game cooking up, uh, there's plenty of outlets to get educated on how to do it. And, man, it's a it's a time-consuming thing, and there's a whole science to it, and every animal is a little bit different. And I learn things weekly, like a... I just learned a couple of weeks ago, you know, a guy was t- trying to sell me on pheasant. And I'm like, dude, I've eaten pheasant a lot. I've tried it so many different ways and uh, I just don't care for it. It's like eating sandpaper. It's just so unbelievably impossibly dry. And he's like, well, did you ever try this? And uh, he tells me that they don't even touch a pheasant. And they, he said, they hang the pheasant. They don't gut them or anything. Bring a pheasant home after it's shot. They hang it by the neck. And he said, you let that thing hang for a week like that. I'm like, without gutting it? He's like, absolutely don't gut it. I'm like, dude, that goes against everything <laughs> I've ever known, right? It's like some aging. I'm like, how is that stuff. possible? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, no, you can't you can't open that thing up. You'll expose air to it. You'll ruin the entire thing. Wow. He's like, most he's like the hardcore bird hunters will tell you to hang a pheasant in the right conditions. Obviously, you know, you're not leaving this thing hanging in your garage when it's eighty degrees, but Right. They say, and I, and you know, I don't think this is true, but they say leave it hang there until it, you know, the head falls off. <laughs> if you're hanging a thing by the head where the body just separates from the head, like leave it hang that long. And I'm wow. like, all right, I get what, I get what you're trying to say. Right. And he said, you do that. And then you got that bird and you clean that bird and you cook that bird. And you'll have a meal unlike anything you've ever had. Now, he is a hardcore bird hunter, and I'm going to take his word for it. And I'm going to give it a shot. But you know, I would have never known that if I hadn't listened to him say that. And uh, it just goes to show you how, like, what I was saying, every animal is just so completely different. Because, yeah, who would think you'd leave something for a week with the guts in it? You know. I don't think that that would be good pra- a good practice, but uh, don't don't ever let the women in our lives. If my wife heard that, she would never eat it, regardless of how good it may or may not taste. So that's uh, 
right. I'm going to keep that one to myself. She won't listen this far in anyways. We're, we're, we're getting into it. So I'm going to drive <laughs> this just a little bit. And um, one thing I want to call out, we'll, I'll try to just kind of get a, an off ramp here to wrap up. But one thing I noticed on your website, you have what's called affiliates rather than sponsors. And I take personal interest yeah. in knowing what that's all about. And um, Oh, that's cool. So like you're affiliated with someone is very different than you're, you're sponsored by someone. So you may or may not know this, but where to hunt has zero sponsors. Um, I've made a deliberate choice not have any sponsors up to this point because I don't want to be married to anybody. I don't want to be dictated as to what I can or cannot say on my own show. Um, so for that yeah. reason, I find it fascinating that you have what's called affiliates. Um, let's play some homage to those people. And why don't you quickly take me through the affiliates that you do have on the deer hunter podcast. Um, because I think there's just so much value in this episode is, is to what we're talking about. And if there's an episode title or topic here, I really think it is, um, I don't know, more so skewing towards camping and hunting and combining that. Sure. We've transcended that a little bit, but I really would like to spend a, a, a small amount of time on the, the affiliates that you do have. So I, I'm, uh, I'm glad that you noticed that because it's something that I've, kind of I've gone back and forth with about taking sponsorships for the show. You know, we talk about uh, funding and, you know, how there's an expense to obviously operating a podcast and you, you're paying for the digital space, right? You're paying for the, the hosting site and you're paying for the website and uh, it costs money to put this content out. So what, what do you typically do? You typically partner up with companies that sell products and you, you move products for them and then they, they compensate you with essentially a percentage, you know, of sale. That, that's typically how sure yep. any of the stuff in the outdoor industry work, right? People move products. Now, one thing that I definitely learned, uh, and, you know, I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't know I definitely had no idea how deep it went is that there's a lot of companies, uh, a lot of faces in the game. will say, uh, that rep products that don't believe in those products and they don't use those products. And actually all they're doing is selling those products to collect a paycheck. And that shit just drives me absolutely crazy. And I don't know if it's just that I take Same. it personal. Nope, because... I do too, man. You're, you're not alone. I think there's some others out there that will likely agree with us. but And the other ones that, that don't um, may not admit it. Yeah. Well, it goes deep. <laughs> yep. I mean, I'll, I've just been blown away in the first year of what I've learned of kind of working in the, you know, the outdoor industry space and the, the hunting, what they, I guess they, you know, they, in quotations, say the hunting industry. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I never had any aspiration to do that. I didn't set out to do this to make a paycheck. I set out to do this to build a platform where we can all come together and learn together. And I, I try to be as transparent as possible and letting people know that like, Hey, I haven't been doing for this, this for a long time, but I'm real passionate about it. And I'm going to put my heart and soul into learning about it and sharing it with other people. And along that road, we're going to try out a lot of gear and we're going to see what does work and what doesn't work. And we come, when we come across the company that we think makes, uh, 
above average product or has above average customer service or just simply has a cool backstory like hey we're two brothers that uh decided to start this company and we take a lot of pride in company service and we feel like we make a better product than some other companies that make products that far outcompete us just due to you know their financial backing like yeah. we'll jump on those guys side because i've always liked the underdog and the little guy and uh, customer service is just so huge to me. Guys that will stand behind the products that they're selling and people that even more specifically that if I have a problem, I know who I'm going to talk to when I pick up that phone and make a phone call and I'm going to get answers. So we've chose companies that we'll classify as affiliates as basically just people that we vetted out to say, Hey, we like these people. This is legit. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we've had a positive experience, whether it's because their product quality exceeds what else is out there uh, or it's their customer service. It's usually a combination of, of both. Um, so the couple that are up there, and, and to be honest with you, when we're talking about this and recording this, my website is not up to date, and uh, it's just a product of what's going on in my household right now. My wife's launching a business, and she helps me with a lot of that. Probably as of in the next couple of days, we'll be having that all updated. But the companies that you see on there are just companies that have, one, supported us in what we're doing. And two, been the best companies to deal with for that type of product that we're, you know, that we're looking for. And probably the biggest one that I'll tell you is uh, that's up there is uh, the trail cam company that we deal with as Exodus Trail Cameras. And I don't know how familiar you are with them or not other than what you shared, honestly. So that's good to hear. That's why I ask. Yeah. So they're a great company and they're a company that I met at a, just at a hunting expo years ago, or a year ago when I was just getting ready to start this. And I, I liked their business motto. They were three guys that were working in the trades as electricians and uh, they were sick and tired of going to travel into properties and having trail cameras that they were really looking forward to pulling the cards on and going up to those cameras and the cameras being dead, you're broken, not having photos, all of the above, right? I mean, anybody that's ever owned or operated trail cameras knows the story. Yep. For me anyways. And I, some guys have told me otherwise that they've had some good luck with some certain products, but I, I never had a trail camera that I could get more than a couple of years out of without it starting to act up on me. And I got pretty sick of that and I got sick of the expense. So Exodus trails cameras, when they came on the market, they offered a five year warranty with all their products, which I thought, wow, that's it's a big deal. Five years in the wilderness. All right. Like that's five that's years more than most companies will do under a, under a clean roof, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Five years for a piece of electronic equipment that's going to sit out in the elements. So I thought, man, if I can get five years out of a trail camera, I'll buy the thing and they're direct to consumer. So they don't have second party, third party markup. So you're not going to pay 
five, six hundred dollars like you will for another high end trail camera, um, you're gonna pay two hundred and twenty five to one hundred and fifty dollars depending on what unit you you know decide to buy. And the you know the 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 factor that tipped the scale was uh the first time I had a technical issue with one of the cameras when I was setting one of them up, I had a question and uh they had a phone number that you text. And you just text them that, you know, hey, I'm having an issue. And within like 30 seconds, one of the owners of the company called my phone personally and walked me through it. And I was like, all right, this doesn't happen. So we're on board with supporting these guys. And, uh, you know, that's just the first one to list. But the other companies that are on there are, are basically vetted the same. And those companies, we're, we hope to add to that as we grow and we partner with other companies, but you know, we're limited by the fact that we're just not going to do anything for a sponsorship or take a, you know, take a check for somebody yeah. to say, we're not going to say anybody's product is Man, I, great unless we truly feel that way. And we've had people, I've personally had people offer me, you know, some, some money to compensate for the podcast that make a product that is subpar to a product that won't offer me any money to do that. And we're just not going to waver on that. We're going to, that's gonna good. Do you get, you got to keep going. What's the saying? Like stand for nothing and, and, and fall for anything, right? Like you got to take a stance and you're doing that. And, and realistically, well, like the, 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 the companies that you're affiliated with, Caveman Coffee is when I see Heather's Choice is when I see I've taken a keen interest in Heather's Choice. Caveman Coffee, I think I drink their competitor's coffee, Bulletproof, <laughs> by the way. But nonetheless, I didn't hear about them until I saw you doing it. And, uh, you know, because I drink Bulletproof, I'm like, wow, Caveman, okay, well, this is an alternative. Maybe, like, what are they all about? And now I'm considering it. And that's interesting. Exodus, same thing. So, like, just by being affiliated and talking about those brands, it brings some value to them from people that care, people that have a reach and, and affluence, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm overly passionate about a few things, deer hunting, coffee, uh, yeah. good, good bourbon, things of that sort. So coffee is just the one thing that caveman coffee is another funny Funny story, uh, Tate Fletcher, one of the owners of that company, he's a born and raised Michigan guy. He's an, you know, semi-famous actor now, lives out in L.A., but, uh, you know, he's still got Michigan roots, and uh, I know you like coffee. And so if you've never had that cup of coffee, I mean, it's it's not cheap. No, I It's I'm, 20 I, bucks a bag. I imagine it's not. Yeah, it's like 20 to 22 dollars a bag. Here's the problem with that though, man, like as a value add kind of guy, I don't even question the financials. If it's if it's worth it to me, period, end of story, it's all good. It doesn't matter what the cost is to a degree, right? There's there's a tipping point there, but if I see value right. in it, I'm not questioning the cost because I like it. Yeah, and that's a, almost a problem with caveman coffee because that stuff is so good it'll suck <laughs> yeah. your bank account dry that's funny because i love coffee and the, and you like bulletproof coffee you know they the same thing they offer a lot of supplements for you know putting uh you know 
healthy sources of fat and other vitamins. And that is a fuel. Yeah, you, we're speaking the same language. It's, it's awesome. So if you go to Caveman Coffee, and it's funny, I was just talking with Tate Butcher today who, who uh, owns and operates Caveman Coffee. And uh, they do. They, they make a – I've tried not every coffee in the world, but damn near close to it. And uh, I haven't found a better one yet. So, yeah, you get what you pay for. That holds up, man. It really yeah, does. You don't have uh, a freaking uh, a jittery you know, buzz and you're shaking and then like a hardcore terrible crash. And if that keeps you even, even keeled, um, man, I tell you what, when you're out in the woods, that shit makes a difference. It makes a difference when you're out in the field doing your day job too, by the way. It does. Anybody that doesn't know about, you know, Bulletproof coffee is almost like saying Kleenex for tissue, right? I mean, Bulletproof is a yeah. brand. But it's, you know, branded as like, uh, I guess, a coffee where you're implementing healthy fats into it. There's a lot of different ways to do it. But anybody that doesn't know about that, uh, man, they're missing the bus because that's complete game changer. I know it's that game you're changing. That's just it. it. I say it'll change your life. That's that's what I say when yeah. I talk about it. And that's just the start. That's the tip of the iceberg because there's a whole dive behind it. But Caveman Coffee, um, from what I understand, man, like if you can on board with that brand, very similar, different. I don't know enough about it to talk about it. You obviously do, but it's another way to just kind of quote unquote level up, you know, get, get better at life, get better at hunting, get better at whatever it is you're trying to do. One thing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the other two, one big ones that are on there right now, well, it'd be changing is uh titanium archery products. We deal with them. Uh, Sam Schaefer, he makes, he, he got his uh, start, he was a uh, developer, he made um, baseball bats and worked with basically like dampening materials for taking vibration out of baseball bats. Okay. And uh, he had a passion for archery and he started making archery products, stabilizers and some other um small miscellaneous pieces for archery equipment out of titanium which is i can't even begin to get into the science yeah no i i can't imagine that whole deal but if anybody hasn't heard of titanium archery products i would strongly suggest you look them up because he's the same kind of guy where uh if you're looking to like level up some of the accessories on your bow that's a good place to go and he's the kind of guy where you can just call him on the phone and he's going to set you up and answer answer questions that you have he's another one that's on there and then another one that's going to be up on there is uh kafaru because i'm just blown away with i'm just absolutely blown away with uh how versatile their frame packs are what they do how the bags compress down to nothing the uh, amount of adjustment and you know i run a mobile tree stand and i i i can compress that bag, strap that tree stand, that, that frame and the pack weighs like six pounds. They and then s- I can put my tree stand. <laughs> I was going to say they ought to sell the Marine Corps, man. Cause that, that sure as shit beats uh, they do. the Alice pack from the Marine Corps <laughs> back when I was in 2004. Yeah, no, they, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, they, they do, they do a lot of work, uh, with, uh, you know, I don't know if it's the army or the Marines the or DOD, whatnot. Probably, but, uh, yeah. They do a lot of tactical frames and cool. 
and whatnot. But uh, yeah, their their backpacks are super impressive. So they're another company that we've been working with, and we're gonna get them up on our website here pretty quickly. And just we'll have different companies going up there from time to time, just saying, hey, we found these guys, and uh, they're legit. And anybody that's looking to uh, you know save a little bit of the vetting process nowadays everybody buy i mean not everybody but for the most part a lot of the higher end gear is only available online you can't walk into cabela's and touch it and feel it and check it out some is some isn't right but i guess you want to rely on somebody and sources that are you want to get as much information as you possibly can before you make a purchase like an 800 dollars backpack that you haven't even right. touched right well, and, and so, talk and, and getting that information from someone you know, like, and trust makes a difference, you know. So, and the fact that they're not paying you to do so, that is a big difference. But yeah, well, let's um, so that's kind of what we're trying to do. Well, let's uh, kind of wrap up here and, and just simply tell people where they can find you. I mentioned DeerHunterPodcast.com, but I know there's a couple other places we mentioned Instagram and Facebook. Is it the same? Is it Facebook slash, you know, Deer Hunter Podcast, same with Instagram? Yeah, on Facebook, it's Deer Hunter Podcast. On Instagram, it's Deer Hunter underscore podcast. Okay. The Instagram is where most of our content's housed. Uh, I just, I'm not on Facebook all that often. Uh, I just found Instagram to be a more user-friendly for what I do and associating with other hunters and outdoorsmen and then i'll also give a shout out to our buddy uh sam Ubel. i use the hunt more app go. quite yep. a bit i po- i post a lot of stuff on the hunt more app and i don't know if people know how important that is and anybody that's not on the hunt more app that's listening to this and you're a hunter or an angler you should be because people are posting things on instagram that are what i would deem very respectful hunting and outdoor images and they will get blocked because let's just face it our culture is not overly welcomed in that environment you have to deem it like sensitive content or something to that effect and i know sam has been in my basement here at the bar we've recorded um he's a first of all he's a great guy i saw him present at an SCI Safari Club International event um, to tell a story with Whitetail Adrenaline and kind of what he had done there from a videography standpoint and then got to know him furthermore. And he's first of all, he's doing great things. Second of all, Huntmore is a really, really cool app. You're right to be posting in that space for sure, for those reasons especially. Yep, you're welcome there. Uh, that's what it was designed for. So people should go there and support that because there might come a day or Instagram won't even let you post hunting content. Yep. I mean, it's that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but no, it's uh, very I, real. I see things like, you know, I'm telling you that I'm working harder on trying to get better at my photography. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a gentleman named Sam Soholt, but he does a lot of photography for Sitka. Okay. And uh, he's got quite a following, and he had posted some photos that got blocked that were very i mean they were high level very respectable photos and they got blocked and i'm just thinking hmm this is the direction that we're going like this content isn't welcome in the space like what if what if it's not allowed here you know 
I use a lot of this to share with our audience and whatnot. And I thought, oh, well, luckily our friend Sam Ubel has Huntmore app and we can all go over there. So, oh, yeah, man. Well, and for I, those that don't know, support. like as a, as a marketer, I think Facebook's got a, probably one of the best ad platforms that's ever existed. But as a deer hunter, Zuckerberg is a liberal <laughs> and and he's not keen to some of the things that, that we love. Um Right. Deer hunting and, and hunting world in general. So you're you're very spot on with that. Yeah, we got to get that dude over and cook him up some venison and have a <laughs> conversation with him. Yeah, man. No kidding. Well, cool. So that sounds great. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap up. But I want to thank you for taking time from, you know, the busy lifestyle we talked about. It took us over a year to get connected. And uh, I appreciate you taking time to, yeah, for sure. to guest on the show, man. That means a lot to me. Yeah, you can find our podcast on iTunes, uh, Google Play, and Stitcher. And then, for the most part, like 90% of our episodes also, if you go to YouTube and go to Deer Hunter Podcast, um, most of them are recorded with a camera, but some of them are recorded audio only. But uh, pretty much everybody has access to YouTube, so you can find us on YouTube. We also have some scouting videos and we're going to be doing some uh, more hunting videos this year. We bought some camera equipment. We're going to be posting some turkey hunting videos up here shortly. And uh, anybody that does subscribe to that, uh, keep an eye out because uh, this fall, um, and maybe we can do another podcast here in the future, and we'll That'd talk a little more about this. But uh, we're going to be doing a film. Uh, we're working with a videographer and we're going to be doing a film um, about backcountry hunting, and it's uh, something that's basically going to consume from now till this fall every <laughs> waking moment of my life. So we're going to put a lot into it, and uh, you know, it, it's likely to be available on uh, you know on our YouTube as well coming up. So rock on, man! I'm excited to see that come to fruition for sure. I'd be happy to share it too. Well, thanks so much for having me on, and let's do this again because we didn't even get to get into like any of the nitty gritty about. No, I know we gotta, we gotta, yeah, this is a chapter session. We gotta get deeper for sure. For sure. Yep. Nope. I'm all on. I'm all on board for that. So anytime, man. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it, man. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed that interview with Kevin from the Deer Hunter Podcast. If you haven't heard of the Deer Hunter Podcast or if you have whatever that looks like, um, listen to their stuff too. He's got uh, great guests all the time, super informative, um, different tone than, than the Where to Hunt Podcast, and that's definitely not a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. I think they got a great thing going on over there, if you couldn't tell. I'm very much so a big fan of theirs um, and a lot of respect for them as, a, as another podcaster. So, one of the things I wanted to, to talk about for the tip of the week is um, adventure, I guess. And more specifically, to kind of piggyback off of what Kevin and I talked about is um, backpacking or camping while hunting. And, you know, I mentioned I hunt the I hunt Wild Loosing State Park quite frequently for gun season here in Wisconsin. And uh, that state park has camping sites there. And that's one way to do it. And I do notice that people definitely do camp and hunt from that park. Um, what Kevin's doing is a little bit different. He is backpacking into a little bit more of a desolate area and or attempting to go that route with it in the future from what I gather. So I've done some backpacking in the past. Um, I'm, 
I am a beginner, not a novice or an expert by any means whatsoever. But um, the tip of the week then, if I talk about adventure, I'm curious to know if anyone else has considered this. And um, I just wanted to talk about some ways to start to get into it or why you should at least consider it. You know, for one, the biggest piece for me, if you haven't heard me talk to Dan Infault and anybody else over the last 50 some episodes, is I love adventure. And for me, the best way to have a great adventure is to get off the beaten path. And what results in that is typically the best stories that you ever have. Um, so that said, that's my catalyst or the reason for why I would want to do it more than anything else. But the, some of the benefits or the other reasons behind it from what I can gather are you're staying where the animals are, which is kind of cool in a way. You know, you're completely surrounded by nature. You're not disconnecting at all. You're really kind of just submersed in it. Um, and as a result, you know, if you really do get to a place where you're you're truly backpacked in, you're going to be doing what very few other people do. And hopefully at that point, um, you know, you're as far away from the, the other hunters as you can be. And as a result, you're going to be closer to the less educated animals who don't really expect some some hunter to be back there. And so you're in uncharted territory, so to speak, depending on really like kind of where you're going. Um, that might be hard here in Wisconsin or Michigan or things of that nature, but you know, maybe not, you know, there's a lot of public land. So something to consider for sure. And really the, the mental reward that you get from doing that or the intrinsic reward you get from that level of adventure and accomplishment. I think when it's all said and done, you get to tell a very different story. And, um, you know, one thing I've been talking about in the last couple episodes is people buck shaming and things like that. You know, at that point, if you're backpacking into a remote, desolate location, um, public land, whatever it is you get, hopefully at that point, it would be something that you would consider, um, you know, a trophy for yourself. But a deer, any deer doing that is a considerable um, trophy. And I, I'm almost reluctant to say the word trophy, but you know, it, that's a bigger challenge. That's a bigger accomplishment. Um, so just some things to consider at the tip of the week. Can you say the word adventure is a tip? I don't know. I'm going to go with it, but I appreciate everybody that listens. It means a lot to me to hear people that message me on um, Instagram or Facebook or wherever. And anybody that's ever willing to leave a, a review on iTunes, it means the world to me. It, it's just such a nice thing to know that people actually listen. Um, I forget sometimes that there are people that download this this podcast and, and really enjoy it. So thank you for continuing to stick with um, tuning into the podcast and, and kind of following along. I um, really like doing it. So more to come. Thanks so much. Have a great day and uh, on public. <laughs>